Some mornings, before things get too hot, I'll get up, do a series of quick stretches, and open the windows to let some fresh air in. Now, lately, I've also been making a small bit of mushroom coffee. We've added a wild forage box to our rotation of food and goods being delivered to the home. The background of all of my Zoom calls now resembles the package section of an overwhelmed, under-resourced urban post office. My fondness for retail therapy began at an early age, and I've only leaned into it during these end times. And Galinda seems to have taken to it as well. Unable to go outside, and where would we go anyway? We have turned to buying all sorts of things. Our beach chairs arrive tomorrow. Umbrellas, watch batteries, swim trunks, more pants without belts, especially lights to enhance online conference calls, seeds, custom masks, computer equipment, desks. We've done it all. And I know that this is problematic for all sorts of reasons, but short of projecting myself so far into the astral plane that I never come back, I'm at a loss for what to do. So I sit here at the desk looking at our one tree out the window, drinking a foul liquid and thinking back on all of my choices. It's what we do when we're stuck inside the deep night. Friends, does it seem bleak? It feels a little bleak. It's me, Dale Seifer, and here we go again. The longest season of this podcast we've ever done. But I know that some of you enjoy what we're doing, and I hope it helps you get through these long hours of regrets and revelations that we're all discovering together. Who knew that a simple phrase like that would scale up to cover everything we've done as a nation? Well, maybe I had some idea. Anyway, we come to you tonight as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And today's episode, well, it's that same idea, the universal, extrapolated from the hyperlocal. Today we're talking with filmmaker Kazimir Naskowski. Now, Kazimir's a friend and neighbor. His wife, Hannah, has been on the show, and I know her work from the theatrical ensemble, the debate society, and we've done a few projects here and there, and I've met Kazimir a few times, but I never had the chance to really get into things with him, which we certainly do on this episode Kashmir, like many of my guests who have been on since the pandemic hit, was poised to premiere his new feature film, The Outside Story, at big film festivals and do the circuit, as one does, of independent film screenings and the like, you know, building on on this year's worth of momentum, uh, only to have things interrupted. And uh, things got put on hold, like uh, the very week that the film was supposed to uh, be at the Tribeca Film Festival. So he's been uh, maintaining a creative practice in this time, doing interviews, uh, sharing the film, making new little things. But really, uh, not many people have seen it, which makes a conversation about the film maybe a little unusual. But I did get to see it. And as we discuss here, I found it a very touching and moving a film. It's quite profound. Now, part of that has to do with the fact that it was shot in and around our little neighborhood, inspired, no doubt, from the potent films of the Gowanus Canal, along with a peculiar sort of, of nature that's here in surrounding Carroll Gardens. Now, without giving too much away, because I came into the film pretty unaware of what, uh, what it was all about, and I think you should do, uh, it centers around a, a man portrayed by uh, the, the, the brilliant Brian Terry Henry, uh, who has to push beyond his 
his comfort zone to discover the simple things and, and points of connection that are right outside of his door. It's a very uh, New York and even a very Brooklyn story, but it's also something we all feel. Whatever metaphor stands in for our interior life, the way that we can be sealed off by choice, by psychological state, by uh, situation, whatever it is that keeps us from taking that first step from what we bury ourselves in or busy ourselves with. Like I said, it's a highly effective motion picture, and I do hope that when it comes out, you will seek it out. It's called The Outside Story. The performance is the writing all top-notch, and it was just a joy to speak with director Kazimir Naskowski. So let's get to that conversation now, done remotely and safely and with great affection. Kazimir Naskowski, welcome to the Deep Night. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Hi. Hi. Now, it's been a little while since I've seen you. You, of course, worked on uh, the, the web series, Timeless Seasons, where I, I, was, I made a little guest appearance on that with some good recipes and a lot of lotion. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that well. That was uh, that was some editing. I did some editing on that. Yes, that was, that was nice. A little, little, little editing magic in there. <laughs> a treat for the ears. That's, <laughs> that's what that one is. And uh, but I do think the last time that we saw each other, maybe in person, mm-hmm. uh, it was a very icy afternoon, and I slipped in front of your building, and uh, I landed on my finger. Uh, it still hurts when it rains. No, that's <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. I I remember that slip and I just want to tell you it's the image of it is still burned in my brain and it's it's very good. It's very positive. <laughs> yeah. Oh good. Uh, it just, it's, I think you went totally horizontal and it was really it was really something but I'm sorry that you uh, suffered as a result of it. No, well listen, it's a learning experience because now I don't wear shoes like that when it's icy. <laughs> that is you did. You took a lesson yeah. from that. That's I great. Did. I did. Good. Now, uh, have you been enjoying the constant fireworks? You're still in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> I'm not in Brooklyn, so oh. I'm not. I'm not enjoying them. I'm enjoying <laughs> the anxiety of reading about them uh-huh. um, and 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 feeling feeling their effect. Uh, but no, we're in upstate New York. Oh, good for you. We're in upstate New York. It's it's quiet here. Um, I'm sorry to say, so no fireworks for us. <laughs> the uh, the odd gunshot, the odd gunshot in the area. That's about yeah. it. Well, that's that's a nice little thing for the heart. Yeah, keeps you yeah. Fresh. keeps you fresh. <laughs> you know, it does. It does. Well, uh, during this moment, do you ever just stop and say, "Oh my gosh, what, what, what's happening? What, 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 this is such a, a weird time." And I tell you, I I've, I've, I vacillate between uh, just being totally hopeless mm-hmm. uh, uh, and kind of out of my personal reserves of stamina. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you are you able to withstand? Are you able to dig deep and find some? something to go forward with? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I would say that I feel um, I feel confused most of the time. I feel very confused. It feels like a simulation. It feels so odd that, because it's, it's like this speed in which we landed in this new reality where we didn't kind of question it. I mean, many people do question it. I guess we did sort of question it. But, but the fact is, like, it's only really been a few months, and yet here we are in a whole new, different time, place, uh, and it's so I, I, I sometimes struggle with the magnitude of it. Like, I mean, sometimes you look around and it's like, oh, everything seems about the same. But then when you think of all the things that are different and it's just the fact that I'm currently at my mom's house in upstate New York 
and have been here for the longest time I've ever been here since I was a child. Um, I find it very confusing, uh, but at the same time, you know, trying to make the best of it. Yes, yes, that's what we must do, I guess. Um, But yeah, it does, that idea of things being a simulation certainly uh, (laughs) (laughs) creeps in. Yeah. uh, You know, I tend not to get too far down that uh, rabbit hole, but... uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know up from down at this moment. But one thing that has helped me, Kashmir, mm-hmm. is the, your film and watching uh-huh. your film, The Outside Story. So thank I want to thank you for making this uh, work of art. Uh, thank you for saying that. That's wonderful. I love. I love hearing that. Um, it's so nice that uh, you got to watch it. So I, I think, as I mentioned to you, so few people have seen it. Uh, it makes my heart feel good that you saw it, and um, that's wonderful. Well, it was uh, it's it's really wonderful uh, uh, watching it, and I'm not sure how you managed to make a film so perfectly attuned uh, to this exact moment. But uh, it's a really perfect pandemic picture. Why, thank you. Well, I think that goes back to the simulation. You know, I since <laughs> yes. I'm since I'm creating this reality, uh, I was able to kind of build a film that uh, that just fit it, just like a glove. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I guess that there was just some, there was some feeling that said some look into the future and said, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if we'll be having a hard time leaving our homes sometime <laughs> next year. You know what? Maybe I'll try to tap into that anxiety uh, and make a film that, that kind of, you know, um, um, uh, tickles that, that impulse. Yes, yes. I just you you mentioned something that I hadn't heard thought about uh, with the simulation idea that we're all generating our own little realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is usually how I go through the world, thinking <laughs> like that. But I hadn't thought that we are. A, it could be a complicated system of everybody building the things, and then within that, how does it? Anyhow, I know, uh, <laughs> I know. Rabbit hole, rabbit hole, yes. deep, deep rabbit hole. Be careful. Yes, lots of time to think <laughs> here in the deep night. But uh, now, aside from the obvious correlations and this fact that you do have a, a main character that's afraid to go out and experience mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, uh, but the, one of the things that really struck me, and maybe it's just because um, it hits different because I live in this neighborhood where mm-hmm. you uh, used to live or, or where your apartment was. Still oh, live, but yes, yes. Right. Uh, only a few blocks from each other yes. uh, we are. And it's really, the film is such a love letter to, to, to this neighborhood. Um, and all the things that are here, our little Brooklyn, mm-hmm. our little section of Brooklyn. And it, it makes me quite emotional uh, uh-huh. to think about it. As I do when I walk through the streets in my <laughs> mask and you see everything's changed or different. Yeah. Um, no, that's, I, I love hearing that. I mean, I grew up in New York City I grew up on the Lower East Side, and then I moved to Brooklyn, um, and I've lived in a few Brooklyn neighborhoods, and I've been in Carroll Gardens now for about 13 years, I think. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, I think New York City is like the most, in, one of the most inspiring places in the world. And I, it, I, I wanted to make a movie that, that featured it, and I also wanted to take advantage of the fact that, hey, we're in this kind of you know, wonderful city with so many kind of stories kind of built within it. What's a story? What's a simple framework that allows me to kind of showcase everything I love about the city uh, and hopefully make that, illustrate that for maybe people who aren't as familiar with it. Um, And I just thought it would be so interesting to have someone uh, be locked out of their apartment, someone who wants to be inside and not experiencing all these beautiful things of the city, 
if they were locked out in the very beginning of the film um, and and desperate to get back inside, uh, what would that odyssey look like? How could you form a kind of you know deep journey? Uh, out of the most simple problem, which is being locked out. And uh, I'm glad that you saw it as a love letter. It is definitely meant to be a love letter. Um, But also, you know, I think uh, uh, it's something that I hope is universal uh, for people who, again, aren't even familiar with New York, just to not take for granted your surroundings, like your neighbors, your stuff like that. And, and, and that we often do, that I certainly do. I certainly take things for granted, many things for granted. Uh, and then when you get disrupted like that, you get to kind of see it all anew. When you don't have shoes on and you don't have a cell phone and you're, or you have a cell phone but it's low on battery, uh, you're sitting outside and the whole world probably looks very different. It certainly did for me when I was locked out. Um, so uh, <laughs> I think that's where, that's where it all came from. So, <laughs> so there's a, a little bit of a true story that this is based on. Uh upon or, or spun I'm, out from? I'm afraid so. I, I've, well, there's many, there's many times that I've been locked out. Uh, I don't think of myself <laughs> as a scattered person, and yet somehow I've, I've often, well, there's a combination of I often misplace my keys, and I often live in apartments where when the door swings closed, it locks automatically, which is yeah. a bad combination. Um, and you think, ah, oh, it's just a jar, and then it swings closed, and then you're locked out, and then the next thing you know, you're climbing out on your neighbor's fire escape, hoping your window that you've never opened is somehow unlocked. And uh, so, yeah, so there's some there's some true story again. That was that was the uh, some some inspiration that came from uh, real life uh, disruption. Yeah, yeah. But as you say, it it, it is universal because uh, the, you are richer for all those little interactions that you have, all those little small moments. And, and uh, it can be very generative, as it has been for you. You don't have to end up making an entire film about it. But uh, you, you'll become a, a – you change with all these interactions. And that's one of the things I think I miss so much and why I still – uh, reach out this way through yeah. internet telephony to to connect to someone, uh, just to have these little moments and say, "Oh yes, okay, right. This is how things fit together right. uh, in a way that makes sense." Um, and also, so true. The the thing that we've uh, maybe I don't know why it doesn't get uh, more widely known, but to live in New York City or Brooklyn specifically, because that's the only real experience I have with it. <laughs> it's a small town. Mm-hmm. You only go a few blocks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even even if there's two burrito places, you go to the one that's closer. <laughs> even if it's bad, absolutely. I mean, you, this is just the place you go, and it's the same if you live in the suburbs or something. You're just driving to those same places, and here you walk. Uh, no, it's true. It's really it is funny the habits that get formed both in a place as kind of uh, rich in opportunity as New York City to find new food and new people and new bars and whatever. Uh, and yet you lock into these habits. I think Carol Gardens is absurd in its uh, uh, amount of restaurants and, you know, uh, culture and what whatnot. And yet, you know, I, I th- there's so many places that I still have never been to because I locked into those habits that I have. Um, and I love when someone kind of nudges me or, or life nudges me and... Um, you find yourself making a discovery that was just right in front of your face. Um, so yeah, I think that's that the film, the film is is trying to trying to illustrate that that ability we all have that we that we don't take advantage of. And and to your point, it is kind of wild in this pandemic, in this time, 
Yeah, to not have that. I mean, New York City, I think, for most people, is sort of the built on the fact that you're going to run into other people and other kind of, um, I don't know what you'd call you know, other, I guess, opportunities or, or moments. You're going to have moments in New York City. And to have much less ability to have those moments is uh, one, one of many uh, darn tootin' shames of this, this here quarantine. Yeah, yeah. And you know what absolutely just uh, got me? and really brought the waterworks on was the food montage uh, <laughs> in there, going to the pork store and going to D'Amico's and going yeah. to the place where you get the cannolis wrapped up in yeah. string. I mean, it just took me out. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I mean, again, those are my favorite things. I had to, I had to, if we're going to, if we're going to talk about someone in Brooklyn, uh, discovering things he's been missing, um, I had to have places like that that just it's like a sin to not at least try them to not yeah. at least you know uh give yourself the chance to have something very special in these in these uh institutions Brooklyn yeah. institutions. Yes. I'm not sure if you could do two esposito sandwiches in one day. No, but, that seems uh, that yeah, you know, we take <laughs> we take a little poetic license. That's a minor quibble. That's Kashmir. how it works. No, you're right. You're right. Uh it's a great point. It's a great point. <laughs> We're go- All right, I'm going back into the edit. I'm going back into the edit, and I'm going to use VFX, and I'm going to change it. Sandwich VFX. I have a designer. I know a guy. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's who you want to have on the, on the speed dial for sure. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, of course, growing up in New York, you have to face this kind of wave after wave of nostalgia, things going away, things being replaced. Um, it must be kind of part of who you are uh, to, bal- to balance that kind of wistfulness with, okay, a new place has moved in. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, man, that is, I don't even know if I have, um, it's so hard to totally encapsulate my feelings about that because... You know, I made a film actually once about my childhood home, about the place where I grew up, a documentary about it. Uh, and and just looking at, as I made that film and looked at the neighborhood around me and thought about how just in the span of my, like, you know, being a kid to getting older, how many things had changed. You know, it was staggering. And the Lower East Side, at least I think up until recently, if you kind of squinted your eyes, still kind of looked to how it did when I was a kid. Um it's not like a place like Soho. Uh, Soho is one that I think of a lot because my parents are artists, uh, and we spent a lot of time in Soho. They would—that's where they would have art shows. And I, you know, it was desolate. It was a little bit scary at night, um, but it had a real amazing character. And now it's so characterless um, and so transformed. Uh, it's just you can't. It's hard to even come up with the vocabulary for it. And so. Uh, yeah, I, watching things change, I think is normal, probably normal for all places and all, all, all life, but, uh, certainly the last, it's been accelerated in New York city, I'd say since the, uh, Bloomberg administration. Um, and that, that acceleration is very disquieting, um, and seems at this point sort of impossible to defeat, though I'm curious to see what happens now. How will, how will development and change, um, take place in the city now, I don't I don't have a clear picture of that either. So yeah, I, I so many things I could say about that. I don't know. It's really <laughs> well, it's, it's wacky. And you have said it in various expressions <laughs> through different uh, films and things too. I mean, it has been a part of your work. Um, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's one thing is that I do think that an idea I'm attracted to in filmmaking 
is is documentation and not just in a documentary in nonfiction um but in 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 fiction too i do think that I, a secret impulse maybe not so secret maybe obvious but an impulse um is to capture something for posterity for my own posterity uh and be able to look at it later is something that i think helps me deal with those changes in the world around me that might might be even more kind of disquieting if I didn't have some kind of record of it. And so I think think films for me, and I think a lot of my shorts in particular, um, but even this feature, you know, there's a, a there's a goal to kind of capture the world as I understand it and be able to just simply look at it later, uh, save for later that, um, yeah, that's like, I don't know, a real core impulse in filmmaking for me. Well, let me ask you this: Did you, uh, when you when you grew up, did you have a lot of home movies? Did you have a lot of uh, video around? You know, I I did. Well, we certainly film. I mean, we had a lot of we 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 had a cam. We had an early camcorder. Came okay. in a briefcase. Came in yep. a very large, uh, smooth briefcase. And I did use it. This the kind of sad thing when I think of those films is you I, I don't know maybe this is just vain but i think of i i've looked back at them and been like oh i'm gonna see like a little kernel of that young filmmaker <laughs> um and they're very <laughs> they're really not worth speaking of posterity they're kind of the opposite where they're just they're i don't know what i was looking for or trying to capture at that point but i guess i was trying to film something at all times uh, for, maybe photography was more a beginning point for me the that that i could trace easier to where I'm at currently, but, but yeah, certainly, certainly documenting even back then was important for sure. Yeah. See, I was thinking that because I didn't have a lot of home movies, mm-hmm. I don't have videotape of really of me as a, a kid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe once high school started, I, you know, I start to appear in a few things, <laughs> but, uh, not really of my parents as they were young, anything like that. So I don't know if it's that mm-hmm. plus, plus my own age. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but now to be faced with any kind of memory right. uh, uh, as a kid uh, is very um, emotional. For I mean, just straight up, uh, mm-hmm. I can start crying thinking about uh, the feeling of a stone driveway on your feet on a hot <laughs> afternoon or the smell of lilacs. I mean, it's very uh, both uh, evocative, but also just right there for me and yeah. uh, uh, just right from the heart every time I think about anything that's happened before now. <laughs> No, I, I, but are you now? Are you saying also that you think if you had videos and you had film, that those feeling those those feelings might not be as emotional? Those memories. I Is wonder. It, That's where yeah. I started with this, but I don't know. I don't. No, know. I like that idea. I mean, I do think that. I mean, I think about like my son now. He is so documented. He is right. so captured to the point where he's completely participating in it and part of it. And he is when he gets older. I. You know, my my romantic feeling is, ah, you're going to see what you were like. You're going to be able to hear your voice. You're going to see see yourself through my eyes. Like, like it's going to be really interesting, I think, for you. But I have a feeling there's another part of me that's scared that when he gets older, that he's going to actually hate all the documentation, hate that it was so <laughs> recorded, that there was no room, I think, for how you so well elegantly put it. Uh, there's no room for that romantic kind of like brushstroke that like dramatic feeling that memory gives the past and video kind of just like there it is that's that's that is it you are looking at it no matter Um, how you thought you remembered it it was actually this right exactly (laughs) brings you back to earth very quickly so uh yeah that could be tough for for my son's generation um 
uh, or maybe all, I guess, many generations since since the iPhone, since the since 2007's generation. Yeah, since the ubiquitous camera. Yeah, and endless documentation. It could be that um, could be tough. Yeah, indeed. Well, one of the other great joys of the film, of course, is seeing so many friends of this program appear as actors uh, in the film. Uh, Maria Dizia, mm-hmm. oh, wonderful. Michael yeah. Seal Creighton, Sunita Manning. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. Just great. Of course, your, your, your wife, Hannah. Yeah, Hannah Boss. Hannah Boss uh, up in it. I, I, um, I'm so, I got so lucky, man. I really, that's kind of the, sim- the simple fact is that uh, I wrote a film and I thought, oh, this is going to be so easy to make. So easy. Just just your basic 24 speaking roles. No big whoop. No problem. Um, uh, I'll just, I'll get my friends. I'll get friends to do it. Um, but actually, I not only did I get friends, but I got people who became friends, people who I didn't know at all, and um, all so wonderfully talented, all so generous and great and just able to i mean making an indie film has so many slings and arrows where you're uh you're we shot that film in 16 days and very very quickly not a lot of takes um and a lot of really my favorite actors um just parachuting into the film (laughs) and doing it and crushing it and taking the words and elevating it um beyond my kind of wildest dreams so i really I, I feel so lucky, and I lo- all the people you mentioned, and then Brian Tyree Henry, Sonequa Martin-Green, uh, Olivia Edward, Linda Gravitt. I mean, the whole, there's so many wonderful people. Um, man, lucky, yeah. really lucky. And they all delivered for you, too. Yeah. Really wonderful performances across the board. I, I was uh, kind of uh, startling, again, being a resident of these uh, few blocks, to see Hannah on the street <laughs> at a stoop sale in exactly the same way that I have encountered her many times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because I often see her on the street or I, I've been to a stoop sale. Yeah. And uh, uh, she's there or, or it's hers. Um, and uh, for a time, very pregnant as uh, she was in the, <laughs> in, in the film. Yeah. So uh, again, it's just this little uh, uh, moment. Um, there was a detail about that stoop sale, uh, mm-hmm. too, uh, where the couple met with comic books. You were, the person was uh, getting rid of a lot of comic books. And that That's really... Right. Ooh, that that hits me tough. Uh, uh, <laughs> were you because, a, were you a comic fan? Are you a? Yes, and uh, it's hard for me to part with any of them, even the bad ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I was so careful, Kashmir. Yeah. I lifted the pages. Oh, I put God. them in the plastic bags with the boards. All the you work. Understand all yeah. the work yeah. to just have someone rifle through and say, oh, 50 cents is too much." <laughs> well, sorry, friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, you don't understand. Just snatch it right out of their hands. That's it. And I thought, you know, just to show you uh, that this is my home base here, this little desk. And anytime I reach anywhere, I can get something, usually from uh, childhood. But uh, I just happened to pull this one off earlier. Uh, Brave and the Bold with Batman and the Flash. And I gather Flash was one of your favorites. Yes, Flash. the Flash was my favorite as as a kid. Well, because you always, I mean, I think if you're a comics fan, you've definitely asked yourself the question, what's superpower would you like the most? And for me, when I was younger, and maybe still, I'd have to really unpack it, but I, when I was younger, I certainly super speed. Yeah. Plus the Flash seemed like he could do extra stuff. He could go to other dimensions. He could phase through matter. He could do this with his arms. Right. Not could... good for the audio podcast, but he could spin <laughs> his arms very fast and make circles of wind, tornadoes. They really found new ways to take super speed into... Um, 
a, a real variety of kind of sub-powers. Yeah. Um, it was very impressive. And uh, maybe I liked his costume, the lightning bolt, the little lightning one. ear wings. Very good. Yeah. Really yeah. good stuff. I'm with you. The Flash was great. Well, this one is especially nice. Batman has to break the mob, typical, yeah. while, the, while the Flash <laughs> travels to the past to solve the secret of the disco death. Oh, so, so that's got to that's going to go out into the read pile uh, tonight. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you also made a film about uh, selling your comic book collection. I did. I did. That's oh. um. That's an that's a short uh, called Childhood Sale, and I was when I was moving when my parents were moving out of uh, our childhood home, uh, my childhood home. Um, I had stored my comics there. Uh, again, just so lucky. I got to just keep the comics. They were just kind of vacuum sealed all there. And then all of a sudden, uh, I had to bring them all to my Brooklyn apartment. I couldn't fit them. So they had to go. They had yeah. to go. And I tried the eBay route. I tried thinking, should I you know, uh, just chuck them in the dumpster? And then Hannah was like, dude, why aren't you doing an epic stoop sale about it? Um, and I did, and it was to your point. It was very heartbreaking to um, to watch some people rifle through, but it was also pretty beautiful. Um, to a lot of people, do did care about the comics, and it was nice. It was really yeah. nice to see their the little connections they had with it was very nice to to capture again. Capture, just capturing it so I can look at it later. <laughs> right, you right. Know. You can watch the sadness exactly. in real time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've tried selling some on eBay, and then I'm always sad by how little I got for it because I just jumped right. at the first person. I did it wrong, and I yeah. sold some good ones at the wrong thing. And then I've done it at the yard sale kind of thing where I've said, well, okay, just all the Transformers for 50 bucks or whatever it was. Right. And uh, the the nice part about that is that person got a deal, and <laughs> That's and true. it's great for somebody to find a deal in this day and age. Yeah. Now I had to be at the other end of that deal, so right. okay. But yeah. I mean, gosh, let there be some joy out there. Let, no. I mean, if you could get a box of toys, brand new, well kept, you know, for twenty, thirty years. <laughs> No, you did a you did a mitzvah. That's a that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I mean, the the truth is, hunting around on eBay for all the deals and then the imper- impersonal aspect of it. I don't feel like it adds. I mean, it has to really. You have to really get a, pri- a serious price point for it to feel like it's really worth the time. If unless you're just one of those expert mailers, I'm certainly not. Um, it really seemed like a slow, painful way to go. And even though the yard sale version or stoop sale or garage sale version is a little more, you know, all right, pr- these got to move, um, you, you do feel like you're, you're actively participating in your community. And yeah. that's a good thing. And uh, so I'm with you, man. I, yeah. think, I think you should, feel, you should feel good about it. Even if wow. you didn't bank the cash. Yeah. Um, right. You know, you made someone else's dreams come true, and they're several years from now they'll be having the same conversation. I hope so. I do. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I believe that all objects have a certain charge to them anyway; that they're right. brought into our lives for some reason, and so the, the exchange back into the world also has to be uh, carefully thought. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. They they only visit with us for a short period of time, and then uh, ensure their journey onto the next That's uh, it. thing. I, I I feel the same way. I feel like, if, and you don't. I feel like you don't want to be at the same time. You don't want to be too precious about it. You really want to. You want to keep that energy moving. Just yeah. That, that's. An, I I think that's the right way to look at it. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
well, good. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in we're in agreement on that. Oh, we're in agreement. Finally. I know. Jeez. <laughs> One thing. Yes. Um, well, you know, I want to talk about this too, and I hope it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, part of this moment of stasis uh, in the film mm-hmm. of not moving out there. Um, I've been pretty open that this show, uh, since the beginning, has been a way for me to deal with a kind of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I lost my mother at a young age, uh, never quite got over it, I guess. Mm-hmm. A- and uh, finding little pieces, uh, reaching out to people, uh, connecting, as I said, it's helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you lost your father uh, not too long ago. I'm very mm-hmm. sorry. You're a great Thank artist. You. Thank uh, you. Uh, and I wondered if, if that somehow grief was a piece of this too, uh, of the inability to move out of it. Because I remember when it first happened for me, and, mm-hmm. and still, when I get into that depress- depressive place, yeah, taking that first step is so difficult. Mm. Um, that is a really, that's a really uh, beautiful and interesting question. I mean, hmm. I think there's I think there's definitely some part of it that is the, that's connected to his you know he was ill for a while um, and I think there was something I'm trying to think how to how to how to capture it all I think you know I wrote the film before he was sick before my father was sick and so in some ways you know it starts with kind of my experience but then you find I find out he's ill and at the same time around the time that I find out he's ill. Um, you know, I get this opportunity to make this film. And there's something very kind of, to me, that was kind of the, the, the transaction that was so interesting. Like the fact that I got to do this kind of, for me, a kind of career pinnacle achievement uh, while my dad was, I don't know. I mean, he's someone who is like the most, obviously the most inspiring person in my life, a great artist, uh, someone whose work ethic was so uh inspiring and so I guess getting to make this film and him be a part of it you know giving me advice on it um uh giving me kind of I mean there was you know when you make a feature there's so many little crises that happen just every day every day and I can think of I the thing that feels so special is thinking back on all those times like days before shooting frantic call to my dad dad such and such actor just said they can't do, I can't use their likeness for this should I do should I go path A or path B um and him giving me that kind of confident kind of calm uh uh answer and and just letting me kind of you know telling me that like whatever decision I made it was going to be okay you know all those great things that he all that great advice that he would give me when I was in a crisis and um I guess those are the things I think of in relation to the film. So I guess, I guess to your point, I do see the echoes in the film to, to the kind of grief and, and the stuck feelings that happen when you lose someone that's as so important to you. But I also, it's, to me, it's like more about the process of making the film for me. And um, that's the part that resonates with, with him not being around here because him and I talked so much about process. His process was so... Um, fascinating to me. The way he made art was so interesting and beautiful to me that um, that I guess like being able to do this with him um, in a way it just it means so much to me. I mean, the I, you know I'm gonna cry here, but the the fact that I gotta like show him a cut, you know, before yeah. just 
you know, what's, I mean, if I hadn't shown him that cut, thinking about that is so hard. And like the fact that he got to see that is just so wonderful. Um, so I don't know, I guess those are, those are the, those are the things that I think about in relation, uh, to him passing, you know, I, I'm making it, being able to make a piece of art that's so important to me, um, and hopefully will be important to, to other people and getting to dedicate it to him. You know, yeah, it's, it's like yeah. the, the process parts are the things that really, from that really resonate for me. But, um, I love your, I love your take on it. And I, I think if people, you know, when you're, when you're unable to, uh, when you're in a rut for whatever reason, whether it's grief, whether it's your own feel, your own insecurities, um, whatever kind of gets you up out of that chair, uh, and, and, and back into some kind of life that, that feels three-dimensional and happy, whatever does that for you, if it's getting locked out or if it's just a good friend pulling you out, um, that's, that's a, that's something I, I do think, uh, it was nice to, to hope to touch with the story of this film. So sorry if I, was that, was I all over the place with that? I hope that, I hope that had some coherence to it. You're exactly <laughs> where you needed to be. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. and I appreciate that. And I, no. I think, you know, just, uh, as a kind of companion to that and, and to collaborate in that way, it's so beautiful and to honor the artistic legacy uh, yeah. there of your father and to carry that through all all beautiful and, and real uh, and I think it shows in the film it's a very genuine film it's a very honest and kind uh, film um, thank you uh, what I was going to say as a companion piece I, when my mother was on her deathbed she had uh, kind of an was hallucinating a little bit from drugs and all this or whatever mm-hmm. uh, things they were giving her to ease pain. And uh, she said, oh, I, I dreamt that you were performing. And no more than that. So oh. I don't know what she ever saw. So to me, every time I'm performing or, or, or doing a show or anything, mm-hmm. even having a conversation, I wonder, is this it? Is this it? Mm. Is this the thing she was a man? Now, at a certain point, you say... Mm. Well, now, whatever that one was that sparked the rest of it. So that was kind of my ongoing final collaboration yeah. uh, uh, with her and that also an artist in, yeah. uh, in that way. Um, but, you know, the other piece of this is, uh, as you were talking about it, making it universal, universal mm-hmm. uh, is that we are experiencing a kind of global grief at the moment. So we may, you know, come into a film <laughs> already loaded up and yeah. thinking, oh, my gosh, grief for the world as it once was, as I said, you know, walking through our neighborhood and seeing, I mean, a building fell down the other day in this neighborhood. Just, <laughs> uh, it, it, that's know. a dramatic my thing. My gym. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, my wife's gym, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they, they were there not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's hard to describe, um, but that, that feeling that everything is just kind of, breaking away mm-hmm. and and we want to hold on and we're forced inside but we still want to have these in the re- anyhow uh, uh it's it's all in there it's what i'm try- that, <laughs> trying that, to get at. that makes me that makes me so happy i mean it's funny when you're saying that that really makes me i feel like i think about it both in relation to the pandemic and both in relation to uh our president is i don't know if we realize i mean i think we all intellectually realize when both of those things are gone, our president and and the pandemic, you know, obviously it'll be a time for celebration. It'll be a great feeling. I don't think we realize how strong those feelings are going to be. I mean, I I don't want to speak for everyone, and obviously for everyone it'll be very different. But uh, even just looking at the pandemic, like, you know, when that moment happens where it's like, 
you're able to go out without doubts and fears, when you're able to see your friends and give them a hug without worrying about it, I do think it could, you know, there's going to be a lot of tears shed, I guess. There's going to be a kind of a revelation. Um, I do think that with the president, too, when that when he marches away, I do think there'll be this like, holy cow. It's like the realization that we've been living, just normalizing so much anxiety. Um, and so when that anxiety, when that release happens, I think it's going to be such a strong feeling. I, I think with the film, I mean, I, this is a bit of a clumsy segue, but I think in the film I was trying to start my start Charles off in a way that he's 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 kind of living in that anxiety, kind of stuck in his anxiety, be it insecurity or whatever it is that that's holding him back, and that I wanted to design the film so that at some point there would be that release. And and kind of try to illustrate what to me what that release could look like for someone and and sometimes all the steps you need to take to get there that unfortunately you kind of can't just unlock it uh, not to not to try to connect it to the central plot device but but that literally you it ta- it sometimes takes so many steps to find that release of that anxiety um, you know I, I guess just that's what I was trying to. Uh, capture about it so i that's what that's what you were saying made me made me think of i guess yeah yeah and it, it and i think maybe that's why it's such a great film uh to watch in this moment to, with the hope of a release mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It's like, yes please that's <laughs> what i want there it is right there yeah um uh, and uh, this is uh also a great sounding film oh Thank I you. don't know, like, who's responsible there? I assume you. Uh, <laughs> no, but, no, no. Many people. Now, when you say, do you, are you the, the music or just the sound design? Because I can speak to all of it. I, can... I think the sound design, the mix is really nice. Uh, and the, there's something about, it's like an audio snapshot of this. You, If I close my eyes and watch that, there's a scene where he's, uh, the, uh, Charles is shot from the back. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I don't know if there's a siren, maybe, or an ice cream truck. Something's mm-hmm. happening. And it's as if I'm standing standing in front of my window mm-hmm. uh, with my eyes closed. It's exactly of this place. That makes me so happy to hear that. Let me, I need to speak to the sound design uh, for a minute. I, um, uh, whatchamacallit, hold on, actually. The, the sound design is something that I was so happy to work on. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like every filmmaker has uh, a, you want to have, actually to our Flash conversation, a superpower. Uh, I, I don't know if it's my superpower, but the part that I like to work on, you know, I'm an editor and I love working with sound and I don't know that I'm even <laughs> very, you know, good with it, but I love working with sound. And I got to work with um, Tom Ryan at Parabolic uh, Studios and we got to do about a week and a half, even probably more time. They were very generous um, uh, of a sound uh, to sound design this film. And I was so, um, what's the word? I wanted, there was some, I wanted to capture all the noise in New York that I think as New Yorkers we all get so used to. But if you just were kind of dropped into the city and not used to it, you'd be like, how do you sleep at night? How do you like have a conversation? And yet you kind of build it all into the fabric around you. It just becomes like listening to birds chirp in the country. And, um, it was so. I honestly, I could have done it for a month. It was so fun to work on the soundscape, and it was so important to me. Uh, we even wrote to Mr. Softy, 
to get the uh, the rights to use their ice cream jingle. Yes. And they shout out to Mr. Softy gave it to us for free. Oh. Um, darn that was nice of them. <laughs> Pretty um good. and I uh and just being able to put that in, put that in, put the sirens in. I also uh not to be too corny about it, I really wanted the sound to work with Charles's mood. I wanted what he was kind of going through when he's feeling kind of flustered and cornered, uh I wanted there to be kind of that noise, the violence of the city, the sirens hitting, the trucks backing up. And when things kind of, when the releases start to happen for him, when when he starts to kind of find a, a measure of peace, um, to try to simulate those quiet moments in the city. You know, you turn onto a block <clears throat> in the middle of town, and for some reason there's no traffic, there's no one talking, there's no horns honking. It's the rare moment of peace in New York City, and it feels extra special because you're in such a, a cacophonous-like city that uh, when you find those peaceful moments, I, I don't know, I always notice them, and I always think they're, I don't know, very so special. And so I guess tried to build in a few of those, too, into the film. And so I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you like the sound. I'd really, thank you. Absolutely. Highly effective. Now, I've talked to a few people uh, at this moment, uh, people mm-hmm. who are going to go to South by Southwest, musicians, uh, filmmakers, uh, writers who had books coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film was scheduled to uh, premiere, right? At uh, Or did it? I don't remember. It was scheduled to premiere at Tribeca. Okay. And, um, and which, again, another dream, another like New York film premiering at Tribeca 2020. Uh, really, we found out in January and so it was going to premiere in April, and I think it went all the way to like early, mid-March even. I think the lockdown may have started, and we were still sort of planning for it. The festival wasn't shutting down. Um, and then, you know, like everything, it had to be postponed. I think it's a, officially postponed, but maybe canceled at this point. Um, so we didn't get to have that that screening. And, uh, you know, I'm again, I'm lot, so many worse problems. It's totally fine. Uh, but I, you know, I was looking forward to seeing this film on the big screen. It looks really beautiful on the big screen, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, it was sad not to be able to do Tribeca. It was going to play at the Village East Cinemas on Twelfth and Second, classic theater. Um, so that's a bummer to not be able to do that. But um, yeah. But will people be able to see it? Is the main thing. <laughs> no, that's it. No. It's a wrap. <laughs> Uh, no, just kidding. Just, I'm just playing. I, uh, we're starting another. So now that everything, I think we're starting to get a grip on what the festival landscape looks like and, and what the possibilities are out there. And a lot of festivals are, are coming back uh, to life and are, um, some of them are doing drive-ins which is very exciting. Right. And right now we're going to show, I think we've got four festivals lined up. Um, and uh, I think they're all at their rooftop films, uh, Atlanta Film Festival, Florida Film Festival, and then a few others that I think I can't, I can't reveal publicly yet. That's all um, right. But I, it's gonna, so it's gonna do this nice little festival tour, um, and hopefully, the more the merrier. You know, I mean, at this point, I'm just so desperate to get people to see it. I can't wait. And uh, if people can see it on a screen, I know that that's hard in this current normal. But, um, uh, you know, that would be that would be the dream. And so a couple of festivals are doing that. And so we're trying to make that possible. Keep it safe. Make it possible. Yes. 
No, that's you know that's what we're going through life right now. Is, yes. uh, <laughs> that's my that's, mantra. Keep it safe, yeah. make it possible. Well, that's you know? wonderful. Um, well, I know you're juggling a lot there, so I, I want to say thank you for uh, your time today. Uh, I do hope people get a chance to see this in some fashion, and if it's outdoors, make sure they have a great sound system, or if you're in a drive-in, uh, make sure your audio uh, car system is uh, finely tuned uh, to enjoy it, um, and that people... Uh, find it as I did uh, a welcome tonic to this moment and a, a little um, comfort in the darkness oh thank you so much that makes me so happy if people if I, I, I don't want to be gauche but if people want to you know hear about what's happening with the film uh, if you want to go to like our Instagram instagram.com slash the outside story um, or facebook.com slash outside story movie or the outside story movie.com uh, that's our website um, you can find all sorts of kind of good stuff about the movies, and um, and I'm doing these uh, one minute interviews. Oh yes, they're lo- they're fantastic. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. And we're about to put out a few new ones um, with the. I really want to do every single person in the cast and crew. That's my that's my fantasy. Everyone who touched the film, I want to kind of just grab a minute with them and 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 build this kind of uh, tapestry of interviews. And so I'm, it should be like eighty people when it's done. Um, <laughs> Right now there's 14, so just I think 66 to go. Yeah. Um, no worries. No big. Yeah. No big whoop. You know. Yeah, you got some time. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> um, so people can check all that stuff out, and 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 the film is called The Outside Story. Come on, check it out, guys. Wonderful, Kashmir. Thank you so much. I wish you and your family good health and happiness. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and you as well. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I hope maybe we can share one of those sandwiches. Uh, Let's do that. On a rooftop two, or, or two, somewhere. Two sandwiches. It two in a to, day. It has we'll to be two in a day. That's we'll just how it goes. I'm day. sorry. Good. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, the film, again, The Outside Story. Follow it on Instagram. You can do that. Follow a movie. Follow whatever you want. Don't be weird. Okay. Uh, such a lovely film, and I enjoyed that conversation with Kashmir. Folks, I hope we make it through this. <laughs> I want to go to the pork store again. I want to browse for old comics at stoop sales again. I want to be so triggered by nostalgia that I just start weeping. (laughs) Oh, wait, I do that all the time. So not that one. Anyway, I hope you're all staying safe. Wear your masks. I'm into it. I like the masks. Should we have deep night masks? Oh, my gosh. Uh, (laughs) That would be something. All right, too many ideas. Uh, For now, let's just remember that although this night is ending... A bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaro. Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode is provided by the talented roster at Haller Hills Farm in Ohio. Production studio space provided by Harvestworks here in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or tune in on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thank you for listening, and this season, I encourage you all to leave your portals open.